Thank you so much for joining the PAVE podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms. I'm Meredith Berkman. I'm Dorian Furman, and we're the Wrong Moms. But we have the right guest for today. We're really thrilled to have San Francisco City Attorney Dennis Herrera join us. In July 2019, it was San Francisco City Attorney Dennis Herrera who co-authored an ordinance ultimately passed by the city's board of supervisors that banned the sale and distribution of e-cigarettes in the city of San Francisco. That ordinance was a direct hit aimed at Juul Labs based in San Francisco. In fact, it was based on city-owned land. Juul countered Herrera's move by funding Proposition C, a ballot initiative that would have undercut the Sydney ordinance, but that was roundly defeated by San Francisco voters last November. Jewel now has announced that it's leaving the city, heading to DC, be closer to the FDA while it attempts to use its lobbying efforts to get its products through the pre-market review process. Dennis, we really want to know how you kicked Jewel's butts out of San Francisco and understand what lessons other cities can gather about letting e-cigarette companies know they are not welcome going after our kids. The city attorney's office has a history of being involved in uh, consumer protection issues uh, that go beyond the, the, the borders of uh, San Francisco and oftentimes have a national impact. And uh, I'd love to be able to take credit for all that uh, in my almost 19 years as city attorney, but I really can't uh, because really what gave this office its start in doing this kind of work was done under my predecessor more than 20 years ago, getting involved in the tobacco fight and Joe Camel. So um, our office has a long history of commitment uh, to tobacco related things, in particular as it relates to kids. So when uh, I happened to see and was alerted uh, by people here in San Francisco about the dramatic rise in the use of vaping products uh, as, a to- uh, as a tobacco product and how that was really supplanting uh, the use of traditional cigarettes and how it was really uh, eradicating the gains that the anti-smoking campaigns that had made amongst our, uh, our young people, not just here in San Francisco, but across the country, I decided, hey, we need to get involved. And then when I saw that Juul uh, was the main purveyor and based here in San Francisco, and unfortunately had a large sublease on city-owned property, I said, we need to make a statement and get involved and stand up for what San Francisco and the city attorney's office in particular uh, had always stood for, and that's protecting uh, kids against the, uh, the, the ravages of tobacco products. So there are two issues. One is going after a company that uh, from, was targeting kids through marketing. And then the other is going after their legal right to be on the city-owned property. On the second point, did you get a lot of pushback? Uh, no, actually, uh, we obviously they had the legal right to be there. Uh, there were some things that... Um, we as a city learned uh, about maybe some oversight uh, oversights that we had done in the subleasing process in terms of uh, giving folks the ability to um, uh, sublease property without uh, port commission approval. And that was a lesson learned 
But I think most people uh, here in San Francisco were appalled that uh, uh, Jewel uh, uh, had a sublease on city-owned property considering what San Francisco's tradition had been in fighting against big tobacco. So no, we didn't get any pushback uh, on, on that at all. Um, really, that was not a major issue. They're going to Washington to be closer to FDA, to be closer to their K Street lobbyists. So have you really won? Have any of us really won? And if not, how do we finish the job? I think that uh, you raise a valid point. It is the arrogance of big tobacco. And, uh, uh, you know, they never give up. Uh, you can you can win a battle, but you need to stay on them because they're they're um, uh, they're very insidious. They don't they don't give up and they'll continue to fight. So you can't ever rest on your laurels. And I do think that every time you uh, win a battle, you uh, it's another brick in the wall in uh, 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 fighting them. But you can't rest on those laurels. So, yes, do I think that we won a skirmish, a major skirmish? Absolutely. And I think they were quite surprised at that, um, both in terms of the legislation that we passed here in San Francisco that then was emulated in other jurisdictions uh, and also in the fight um, on the uh, ballot initiative. But uh, you're, you're correct. They, they've run to Washington, hoping they could fly below the radar, be closer to the FDA to get the approval that they should have been trying to get in the first place. And uh, people need to uh, uh, look at what we did as an instructive model about how they, uh, if you start at the grassroots, get local officials involved, uh, the ability to uh, fight is something that uh, 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 you can't give up on. So we won the skirmish, but certainly the, the war isn't won. Is it also personal for you? Do you have kids in that age group? I have a 18 year old boy who just graduated from uh, high school and he was never a smoker, but, um, uh, or a vapor, uh, but uh, he had friends that were. And um, I did my own research and, 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 and found out about uh, kids that I knew that really struggled and had issues, many in my son's uh, peer group uh, and others. And I have to tell you, you know, I had, I had very few, my son, he's, he's always been kind of a rules follower, and, but he, I had very few guardrails for him. But the one thing that I, I, I was like, don't, don't, I better not see any, I had a hard, you better not vape. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was, um, he, he knew I was pretty strong in that, but I did. And that was based on experience I heard from kids in his, in his peer group and, um, anecdotal things I heard out of the high schools here in San Francisco about the challenges that schools had in um, keeping uh, their kids off, off the product. You refer to Juul as big tobacco, and we used to call it big tobacco 2.0, but we realized it was just big tobacco all along, um, yeah. hiding in plain sight. And we knew it and you knew it, but a lot of other people didn't know it. And yeah. You get a lot of pushback because in the beginning we would get pushback, whereas we had an instinct right away and you had an instinct right away. So what was that like in the beginning to get people to listen to? It was, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, it was, it was a challenge because to, to look, there were a lot of individuals who had, you know, adults who had personal experience in trying to get off 
cigarettes and we're, and we're using vaping products and I don't begrudge them their, what they were trying to accomplish. And, you know, they didn't, uh, it was a very hard thing for them to reconcile. They're like, no, no, we're getting the, we're, we're, we're getting off tobacco products. We're, we're, we're getting off cigarettes and they became spokespeople, but they, I, I think it took a while for them to really understand that. No, no, no. Okay. You know what? You may be having a good experience in helping you get off cigarettes. Okay. But you need to understand you're not the primary focus of this. You're sort of like, you're, you're the frosting on the cake. Really what their, their job was, was to hook a whole new generation of kids, uh, onto their products and hopefully to get them the cigarettes from their perspective, or if not, keep them on that. But it wasn't, you know, you weren't the prime uh, focus of their efforts, but it was always very hard for them to reconcile. And they had, they were really passionate about it. I mean, I had a really good friend, really good friend of mine, really good friend of mine who called me up when this all started and lambasted me about the nanny state and everything else. And he was really passionate and he was coming from a good place. But as I explained things to him, and as he saw Altria, you don't put, you know, billions and billions of dollars into into investing in a, a, a company if you if you if you view that you have a, a a diminishing market share of consumers. No, you want your business to grow, and the only way to grow it is to hook a whole, whole new generation of kids. So that took a, a, some education on people, uh, uh, but once they saw the money. And uh, some of the ads were coming out and some things were revealed. I think uh, uh, people's minds were changed, but that was, that was a battle in the beginning. Have other local officials reached out to you? Did they reach out to you then? And have they reached out to you since to talk about this issue? In the immediate aftermath of passing legislation, and then I think in the lead up to uh, during the initiative process, we had a lot of um, inquiries from um, different states and localities. But um, since the proposition went down, uh, we really haven't heard much from anybody. And I think that's an, that, that's an interesting thing. And it comes back to my point about, you know, we can't be complacent because one thing that big tobacco has is patience. They think that they can outweigh everybody there's going to be a lot of other things again on people's radar screens. We're going to be here for a long time. We're going to prey on people's vulnerabilities and lack of uh, patience in continuing uh, to, to keep this a priority. So um, we haven't heard much. And I think that might sort of um, uh, demonstrate that people th think, oh, well, that we took care of that. It's let's on to the next thing. And then obviously with everything else going on in the country, there's some really major things going on, but you can't lose sight of um, other issues that are important because let me tell you, they uh, big tobacco with has a single minded purpose and uh, they're not going to give up thinking about that. And um, I think that they're probably using this sort of chaotic time to reformat what they want to do and do it below the radar and continue to move their agenda forward. Like you say, I, moving to Washington, D.C. wasn't just, you know, willy-nilly. That had a purpose. And uh, you always have to keep your eye on where they're going. But you have all of these other brands who are trying to fly, as you said, under the radar and are yes. 
um, targeting kids, they're acting illegally and immorally. Um, what would you say to different states? Should, you know, the grassroots effort is obviously very important, but on a state level, should it be the attorney general who gets involved? How can we get the states to actually act? I, I think that, you know, your attorneys general in various jurisdictions or people like me at, 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 at the local level who might have some statewide uh, police power are important to, um, to get involved in the process. Because in the absence of sort of legislative or regulatory approval, it, it comes to public prosecutors like myself to sort of either file a lawsuit or encourage legislators to go out and do the right thing. So I think that absolutely, I think that is the number one place where people can act um, at the uh, local and state level is to get folks like attorneys general or people like me uh, involved uh, in the fight. Because not only does that put a legal impediment uh, in the way, it also is a way to educate the public and maybe push legislators to, uh, 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 to get involved like we did here in San Francisco. So how are we gonna win the war and how can you continue to have a role in it? Yeah, I think that right now, uh, the more that um, local jurisdictions step up and do what they can do locally, that's, that is uh, a, a, part, a, a big part. This shouldn't have never have occurred, have occurred. This was, all this was subject to the Back and Control Act. These are new products. They should have gone through FDA pre-market approval before they ever hit the market. But unfortunately, I think what you saw was not dissimilar from what you what people have seen in terms of big tech. And that is, you know what? We're disruptors. And uh, instead of asking for permission, we're going to ask for forgiveness. And, and, and But they believed probably rightfully so, in the timidity of public officials to do their job. Hey, we'll just go out and we'll do it. Yeah, these guys, are. we're, we're going to bank on them not enforcing their law, and we'll just continue doing what we're doing. We'll, we'll uh, pay lip service to them, but we're just going to do what we want, which had been, and that's kind of what tech did to a certain degree in terms of its disruptive model. So, you know, that was, and they did that now with, a, with, with, with the FDA and federal regulatory um, uh, agency. So, um, and unfortunately, that is a mindset that has permeated some business models over the course of the last decade and a half, which had been a, a radical change from how business was conducted in this country for generations. So, um, you know, what that requires then is for public officials to um, you know, do their job, step up, have the courage of their conviction, not worry about, oh, um, you know, I'm not going to get a campaign contribution from this entity or that entity, and coordinate with uh, groups like, the, like you uh, to, to sort of speak for people. And um, I think that um, that's what it's going to take to bring about a, 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 a global sort of solution that you're talking about. You need to have a broad cross-section of people, community groups, public officials step up and say, this is not acceptable. And that takes courage. And um, unfortunately, I think what you see is right now with Jewel and these others, they didn't believe that public officials or entities had the courage to do what was right. And hopefully what we're seeing now 
uh, is change in that dynamic. Thank you so much, Dennis Herrera, for being a guest on our show. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast, Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms. We need passionate parents to join our grassroots movement across the country to protect our kids from the predatory behavior of big tobacco. If you're a parent and you want to get involved, please check out our website at parentsagainstvaping.org or email us directly at info at parentsagainstvaping.org. Parents' voices matter and you can make a difference. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, the Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.